Good morning, everybody. Uh, so good to see you. Welcome to uh, River Glen Church. Uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, everybody on the other side of the camera over in, in Pewaukee and online, whatever your location. Uh, great to have you with us and thank you for joining us for church and, and week number two of this series called First Comes Love and then comes uh, baggage. Today, I want to talk with you about a subject that affects really all of our relationships and marriages, but we don't really talk about it very often. Today, I want to talk with you about the influence of your family of origin on marriage and relationships. All of us grew up with a, uh, a family of origin, a mom, a dad, grandparents, extended family, and they packed a, a suitcase for you that you bring into uh, relationships and, and marriage. And you marry somebody with a different family of origin, and they bring a different set of baggage. And so today I want to talk to the married uh, uh, couples about how to deal with this baggage so that you can enjoy greater levels of joy and satisfaction in your marriage, whether you're dating or married for a couple years, 10 years, 50 uh, years. I hope this is helpful for you today as we talk through uh, family of origin. But I also want to talk to parents, especially parents of adult uh, children. Maybe you've had some struggles in your family as kids transition into adulthood and into uh, marriages. As, as parents, we pack a bag for our kids, but we can help them to leave home well and develop oneness in uh, marriage. And I also want to talk to young people, teenagers, students, college students. I'd love for you to lean in today and, and, and learn about how to, how to leave home uh, well and honor your mother and father. You know what? I think this really applies to everybody here today. And that's why the Bible says so much about it, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 2, where God creates the first married couple named Adam and Eve. And, he sa and it says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. That sounds good to me. <laughs> right now, deep sleep. And uh, while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the uh, uh, man. And so God uses some kind of divine anesthetic, puts Adam into a deep sleep, performs the first surgery, removes one of his ribs, and he fashions the woman. And then we've got the first wedding ceremony God brings Eve to Adam. And I love the symbolism here of the rib. Martin Luther said God could have chosen a bone from Adam's head to symbolize how the woman would rule over uh, the man. Or God could have chosen a bone from Adam's foot to symbolize how he would rule over uh, the woman. But instead God chose a rib from Adam's side to symbolize how husband and wife walk side by side in marriage. It's really a beautiful picture of the love and the friendship and the respect in marriage, walking side by side. You know, I love my wife, Marnie, and getting to walk side by side through life uh, with her. We just celebrated 35 years of marriage. She's just a great wife. And, uh, and, and, and mom and, and friend. I want to show you a picture of our daughter, uh, Taylor. This is uh, from about four years ago when uh, Taylor got married. That's her husband, John, to the uh, right, and Taylor's baggage here on the, uh, 
left. I don't really like to think of Marnie and I as her baggage. We've tried to be helpful to Taylor, but we did pack a suitcase for her that she brought into her marriage with John. I, 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 I remember how emotional. It surprised me how emotional her wedding uh, was uh, for me. I've participated in hundreds, probably hundreds of weddings over the years, but this is my first one as a parent. And they asked me to share just a, like a five-minute message in the wedding. And I said yes, but I, I didn't know if I could get through it. And I think I practiced that thing like about 20 or 30 times. I mean, trying to get the emotion out of it. I got through it. Somehow I got through it. But I'll tell you what, the most powerful moment really for me by far was this, this moment right here. You know, walking her down the, the aisle and uh, giving her away to her husband. That was such a big moment in her life and in the life of our family. You know, you see that often in weddings. The, the father of the bride uh, gives her away. It's really a picture of what happens next in the next verse in Genesis chapter 2, which has been called the greatest uh, marriage counsel, greatest marriage advice ever uh, given. Uh, it says this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his uh, wife. After God brings Eve to Adam, this is what it says, and it's about our family of uh, origin. And notice how it doesn't say uh, this is why a child leaves or this is why an adolescent leaves. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an, an adult. And so parents, we want to make sure that we uh, raise our children and prepare them to eventually, uh, as an adult, to leave home uh, well. Now, typically in sermons on marriage, uh, we talk about the second half of this verse and how to be united to your spouse and how to love your spouse. But the oneness, the compatibility, the intimacy, and the, and the, and the closeness in marriage is really hindered when we don't do the first half of the verse uh, well. It, it, we have to leave home well. We've got to leave mom and dad well in order to enjoy oneness in marriage. And that can be challenging because whether you're married or not, your family of origin has written thousands of messages on, on, your, on your heart, placed there by your mom, your dad, grandparents, extended family. For example, your family of origin influences the way you worship, uh, spend, save, drive, fight, clean, eat, plan, joke, celebrate the holidays, load the, the dishwasher. Uh, for example, maybe you grew up in a home and you were taught that uh, savings is money that you put away for a rainy day, or maybe you were taught that savings is really, you know, it's really the difference between the uh, sale price and the uh, actual uh, price, and that comes from family of origin. It also affects the way we celebrate the holidays. Maybe you grew up in a home where you had a uh, three-foot-high pre-decorated Christmas tree that you stored with a garbage bag uh, over it, or maybe you grew up in a home where, I mean, you decorated like the, like the White House, Christmas tree in every room, garland over every uh, door. It also affects how you load the dishwasher. In our kitchen, I mean, I like to cram as much stuff in that dishwasher as I can, and there's fewer things to hand wash, but my wife uh, grew up in a home where they actually followed the manufacturer's instructions, and so I got to wait for her when she's not looking, and I can stick some more things um, in there. I could go on and on. I mean, talking about uh, influence of family of origin on marriage and uh, family. But uh, I want to show you something that I found that I think really 
uh, pictures the family of origin influence better than anything um, else. Um, I found this uh, perfect uh, toilet paper dispenser. I, th this is going to decrease divorce rate by 20% um, right here. So, you know, how many of you, help me out here, how many of you would say this is the, this is the right way? Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, quite a few. Um, how many would say, uh, you know, this is the right way? Okay, you know, a few, uh, some of the cat owners in our uh, <laughs> church. Um, this is wrong, okay? No, that's not, that's not the right way. Uh, let me show you something um, even, even worse. Uh, yeah. There's not even a full square, you know? You're like, well, it wasn't empty. I didn't need to uh, change it. Uh, here's something even, even worse than that. Look at that, man. That's lazy, you know? Can't even, can't even replace. Don't even have time to replace the uh, roll. Some of you, when you see this next picture, this brings peace and joy, right? How many of you think that's the way to dispense the uh, toothpaste properly? But you, you married this person, yeah, you know, squeeze it in the uh, middle. Or even worse, man, whoa. I mean, you watch them, they scrape that off, you know, brush their teeth. Come on, put the cap on there. Uh, here's another item that uh, brings you just maybe joy, you know, and, and peace. It's all, you know, it's nicely folded. It's fresh out of the uh, dryer and uh, uh, fluffy. But uh, you know what? You married, you married this person, you know, right, right here. Yeah, there's a comedian named uh, Craig Al or uh, Jeff Allen that talks about this. He says, my wife confronts me with questions. I'll walk in the bedroom and she's like, is that your underwear on the floor? And he's like, well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, if it's not, I'm going to have some questions of my own. Yeah, I want to give you a term that can help us deal with uh, so much of the baggage and set you free in marriage. When it comes to the baggage, uh, that we bring into marriage, whether it's tooth toothpaste or toilet paper or towels or uh, how to celebrate uh, the, the holidays. Uh, uh, this is it right here, NBD, NBD, no big deal. It's no big deal. Um, uh, uh, some of us have made it a VBD, very big deal, but it's NBD because a different way is not the wrong way. You know, maybe you married someone and you both bring different sets of baggage into the marriage. doesn't mean that you married the wrong person. It means that you married a different uh, person. Now, I realize that, you know, not all the items in our suitcases, you know, weigh the same. And maybe you've got some items in your uh, baggage that are, are heavy. And, and maybe you need some help uh, with, with those items. And th that's why I'm a strong believer in mental health care and professional counseling. Maybe you've got some heavy items and you know you need to take it in and seek help, professional help as a, as a husband and, and wife. I'm all, I'm all for that. You know, maybe, you're, maybe you've got a broken home or broken marriage in your past. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you've got some heavy grief that you're dealing with. I mean, I have watched God do miracles in restoring emotional and relational um, health. I've watched God take marriages on the verge of divorce and bring them to a place of oneness better than ever before. And so if you've got some heavy stuff in here, get some, get some help. But many of the items in our bags are light. And if they're light, we need to lighten up. One of the, one of the best ways, I mean, to deal with uh, the influence of family uh, of, of origin is to develop curiosity 
and fascination with each other and even some laughter. I, I came across a book on marriage by Ted Cunningham. It's called The Love That Laughs. I've used some ideas from, from Ted in this message today. Ted's an author, a pastor, and a counselor. He quotes this verse of scripture that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Laughter is good for marriage and relationships. It reduces stress and tension and helps us bond together. But we've gotten away from laughter, especially these last few years through the pandemic. Many people walk around with a crushed spirit and it dries up bones. There's a preacher from the 19th century named Henry Ward Beecher. And he said that a person without a sense of humor is like a wagon without springs, jolted by every pebble on the road. I mean, laughter helps us get through the uh, difficult seasons and, and stages of marriage and life. Research shows that couples who, who discover their shared sense of humor and use laughter uh, to manage stress and work through difficult conversations not only enjoy higher levels of marital satisfaction, but they stay together longer. So if you're married, be curious and be fascinated with, with your spouse and their, and their baggage. There are, there are thousands of items in here and uh, there, there are stories that go with each one of them and maybe even some laughter. That's why date night should never get boring as a married couple because it takes a long time to go through uh, the items that are in here. here. Here's why it's important for us to lighten up and laugh about some of these issues because your family of origin influences your marriage, but it does not define you as a couple or who you're becoming as a couple. Lightening up can set us free. Openness or oneness and compatibility are not something that you just find or step into or require a perfect personality uh, match. Oneness and compatibility and closeness in marriage is a process and a willingness to be curious and fascinated uh, with, with your spouse and even find humor together as a couple. And you know what, this also applies to parenting. There comes a time when it's important for us as parents to lighten up and loosen up and to step back so that our adult children can leave home well and develop oneness in their marriage. Remember, this comes from Genesis 2, 24, the greatest marriage advice that's ever been uh, given by God himself. That, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife so they can become one flesh. This verse is so important that uh, this verse from Genesis gets, quote, gets uh, repeated in the New Testament by Jesus. And it also gets repeated in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul because it is foundational for all marriages and family relationships. I would say the number one issue that comes up when I sit down with engaged couples or married couples has to do with the influence of family of uh, origin in the first half of this verse. You ever heard this expression, you marry the family? You ever heard that? You know, you, you, you don't just marry your spouse, you marry your spouse's uh, family. You ever heard that expression? But it's not true because you make vows and exchange rings with your spouse, not the family. You enter a covenant relationship with your spouse, not the family. Now, now of course, you have, I mean, important relationships with parents and family members, 
but it needs to change. And so I want to give you five uh, boundaries that come from Genesis 2.24 that can help us leave home well so that we can enjoy oneness in marriage and honor our parents. Here's the first one. Prioritize your spouse over your, your parent. I still enjoy uh, spending time with my daughter, uh, Taylor. I love spending time with, with, with Taylor. But our relationship has changed because her husband, John, is her primary relational bond. Here's what it means to leave home well. Here's what it means to leave mom and dad. You leave home physically, relationally, emotionally, financially, and if necessary, geographically. And so, uh, for example, the first phone call that you make after you have a good day or a bad day is not your parent, it's your spouse. Maybe you need to talk about your bad day. Maybe you need to vent about your uh, bad day. The first phone call you make is with your spouse. Now, you know, maybe you want to call your parents later and tell them about it, but your primary emotional support comes from your spouse. Here's a second boundary. Never compare your spouse to a parent. Here's a couple ways that we do that. Something happens around the house, you know, maybe related to toilet paper or toothpaste or towels or, or celebrating the holidays. And we can go back to our family of origin and say, you know, when my mom made this meal, she did it this other way. Or when my dad changed the oil in the car, which is something that he did every time the car needed it, we go back and we compare up to our family of origin. Or we might have uh, moments where our spouse will uh, say or do something that reminds us of their family of origin, and we say something hurtful, like, uh, you know what, you sound just like your mom right now. You know, that sounds like something that your dad would, would say. And we compare down uh, to family of origin. And what we need to do is just leave behind these unhealthy comparisons so that we can develop oneness in our marriage today. And then third, do not allow extended family members to make important decisions for your marriage. Once you get married and become husband and wife, God makes the two of you one, and now you can make decisions about how you're going to celebrate birthdays and holidays, how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to raise your kids. Those are adult decisions that you get to make as a married couple. And when you make those decisions, I mean, sometimes family members might push back. Um, you know, they might not agree. Uh, sometimes family members might get their feelings um, hurt. But remember this foundational teaching in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that when you get married, you know, you leave behind your mom and dad and you become one with your spouse. And so your parents and grandparents they don't call all the shots for you and your marriage and your kids. I'm, I'm so grateful when Marnie and I uh, got, got married many years ago, uh, both sets of our parents, my parents, her parents, they did not try to control us. But I have talked to many married couples that deal with controlling parents. And here's what I would say. Here's the fourth boundary. Do not take personal responsibility for a parent's feelings, words, and actions. When you start making decisions as a married couple, people might get frustrated with you. And when that happens, you are 100% responsible for your heart and your feelings. You are 100% responsible for your words and your actions and what you bring into the marriage, but you are not personally responsible for the words, actions, and feelings 
of family members who do not agree with the decision that you've made. This last one is a tough one, but you stop obeying, but never stop honoring your parents. We're called to honor our parents, our moms and dads, until, uh, until God takes them home. It's one of the Ten Commandments, to honor your father and mother. But as adults, we don't obey them, we honor them. Uh, both of my parents passed away uh, many years ago, but they were such a blessing to me. You know what, I, I find myself, I still want to honor them by the way I remember them. I want to honor them by the way I talk about them with other people. Marnie and I only have one parent uh, still living. Uh, my mother-in-law, Margie, she's in her 80s now, and we love her. We, uh, we enjoy her. We honor her by spending time with her. We care deeply about her. Marnie loves and honors her, her mom, but Marnie doesn't obey her. I mean, we don't ask her permission for anything, but if Margie makes a request, we like to fulfill it because we want to honor her. She's a very important person in, in our life. I remember a long time ago, many years ago, about 30 years ago, I felt so nervous about a conversation that I needed to have with Marnie's dad. His name was Floyd. Marnie and I got married and we lived in Kentucky for nine years, worked at this great church, comfortable, uh, nice life. We had our daughter Taylor living in Kentucky, but we felt like God was calling us to leave Kentucky and move to uh, the Milwaukee area and uh, start a new church. And I know I needed to have a conversation with Marnie's dad and let him know that we were going to be uh, moving to, uh, leaving Kentucky and moving to Milwaukee to start a, a church uh, without any people or any money. And I was, I was kind of nervous about how he would respond. So I told him about it. And I remember, I remember exactly how he responded. He listened and here's what he said, I think that's a good idea. And he even gave me the name of a guy who uh, knew a lot about church planting. And I followed up with that guy and he was a huge help to me. I wish Floyd would have lived uh, longer. He died about a year before River Glen started, but I feel grateful for his encouragement and support and influence. Here's the perspective that he had uh, that I think the Bible teaches. And that is that parenting is for a season being a parent is for a lifetime. You know, we've only got this little window, really, for, for, for parenting. I had this little window of time for parenting my, my daughter. Parenting is a season, but being a parent is for a lifetime. And, and Marty and I have come out of that parenting um, season, but I want to be a good parent for a lifetime. I want to encourage and have influence in the lives of my kids for the rest of my life. I've heard it said this way, that parenting is a journey from control to influence. Those of you that have little kids, maybe you've got toddlers, you might, this might sound crazy, but you know what? You've got more control now <laughs> than you will ever have. Yeah, because every year those kids get older, you lose some control. Now, some parents try to keep control, you know, they get louder, they get angrier, but every year that child grows, you lose some control. And that's why as a parent, I want to replace the control that I'm losing with influence for a lifetime. I want my kids coming home and, and spending time with me, asking me questions. But many parents hurt their relationship with adult children because they're too controlling, they're too demanding, 
and they have no influence. I need to be careful because I want to influence my kids. I want to influence my grandkids to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to love the, the church for the rest of my life. Paul talks about this influence to a young man named Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Where did this come from, this faith? How did he get it? Well, look at it. Which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded, now lives in you also. I love how two generations influenced Timothy to follow Jesus and love Jesus. His grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And we can influence our children and grandchildren because they've got a front row view of our faith. And so I don't want anything about my relationship with my adult kids to be so controlling that they want to spend no time with me, that they don't want to visit me, they don't want to be around me on the holidays because every time they're with me, I switch into preaching mode, telling them, you know, how to live their life, telling them how to raise my grandkids. Uh, this is this is where I need to be careful and not unleash on, on, on my adult kids when they ask a question and tell them, you know, the 40 things that they uh, need to do. Keep it very specific to what they ask. I want to make sure that I let go of control because I want to be a parent of influence. And I just want to say a word to grandparents um, that are here because, you know, some grandparents are like, yeah, we see the kids once in a while. Grandparents, this can be the most influential season of your life because you can influence two generations for Jesus. Your kids and your grandkids are watching you. And next weekend, we're going to learn more about how we can influence kids and even uh, grandkids for, for Jesus. Don't miss it. But today, I want to challenge you as we sing this last song. It's called Make Room. And it's just a beautiful song that's really a prayer. The chorus says, I will make room for you to do what you want uh, me to do. And that's the question I want to challenge you with today. How does God want you to make some room in relationships today? Maybe God wants you to step back as a parent and give room to your adult kids to leave home well so they can develop oneness in marriage. Maybe God wants you to let go of some uh, control and make room for influence. Maybe God wants you as a married couple to make room for your marriage by, by leaving home well, leaving, leaving mom and dad. Love your parents, honor your parents, but prioritize your spouse. You know, God makes the two of you one when you get, when you get married, but he leaves it up to you to make room and to cultivate and develop unity and oneness and compatibility in your marriage. Remember, this is really the greatest marriage counsel ever given. It's given by God at the first wedding to Adam and Eve. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one um, flesh. How does God want you to make room in your relationships? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us your timeless wisdom and counsel for relationships. And God, we thank you for our family of origin. Help us to unpack these bags. And if there's some heavy items in there, give us wisdom and, and courage to, to uh, get some help. 
But God, I know many of these items are probably light and, and no big deal. Help us to, to lighten up and enjoy our marriage and relationships more. And God, help us to make room. As parents, we want to make room for influence and for our children to eventually, as adults, to leave home well. As couples, we want to make room for oneness in our marriages and, and also room to honor our parents. God, help us apply your great wisdom to all our relationships. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.